Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. It's bigger and better than the Catalina wine mixer. This is the Weekly Watch on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. If you're a regular, welcome back. If you're a first-timer, welcome. A wodge is defined as a large piece or amount of something, and that's exactly what this is. On this podcast, we'll hear from Matt Bowen, John Wayne Parr, Mitchell Moses, Connolly Lamuelu, Tyrone May and Adrian Vowles on a range of topics from footy chat to absolute dribble, which is my specialty. First, a shit week breakdancing in the Olympics, please. And then it was announced Floyd Mayweather Jr. is fighting YouTube wanker Logan Paul in February. What a disgrace. No wonder boxing is in such a sad state. Speaking of boxing, Paul Gallen and Mark Hunt is coming up. Be careful. This one's not for me. There's plenty within the industry that reckon this stinks and are fearing an old school sting. Keep your money in your pockets, kids. And if you're watching, just enjoy it for what it is, not what it should be. Anyway, enough negativity. Let's rip into some wodge. Penrith Panthers were the huge improvers of 2020. They did it right after the rule changes and they did it right after the break in the season. For 140 days, they were undefeated. 17 straight wins. It was their footy, but also their mindset. Tyrone May has lobbed in the hot seat. Mate, how important is confidence to an individual and confidence to a team? Yeah, um, I think it plays a a massive role. Um, Just little things like um, being able to throw that extra pass or just um, having trust in the bloke in defence, like inside you, just to be able to, I guess, get get their system right in, in themselves. So um, I think it played a massive role in um, the way we went this year. Um, once we kind of, I guess, the first four games before the break, like we had a bit, we had a couple of good wins and yep. um, kind of knew like, we, we could get something going here. And then um, obviously after the COVID break, we went on a, a pretty good run and then kind of, yeah, kind of fell with just one short. But, yeah, I guess um, that, that run was kind of incredible and yeah. it was kind of disappointing to finish on that, but um, it was still good fun. Does it start to feel like you can't lose and that you're always in the game when, you, when you're confident and you believe in yourselves? Yeah, I remember, like, being on the being on like, start, when I started playing again and it was just, like, um, crazy, like, just coming into that environment of yep. everyone just so up and up and it was pretty, like, it was pretty hard to be able to knock our confidence. Um, mm. I know we had a couple of games there where probably if we weren't as confident, we could have lost because they, they were pretty tight games. But, um, yeah, we ended up like just, just winning. Yep. But uh, I guess made us more confident because we didn't play that good and to yep. still be able to win and not play well is kind of 
I guess you can get down on it or you can take confidence out of it. 2020 Grand Final, of course you'd like to reverse the result. But the experience of being in a Grand Final, a, a real eye-opener, I bet. Yeah, um, I didn't think much of it leading to the game because there wasn't, I guess it was a bit different to other years. Like, yeah. um, I guess we had we only had a, we had an open training session, which was pretty cool. But um, like, um, yeah, like speaking to Jimmy T and that, like, it was, uh, comparing it to other years, apparently it was like it was nothing. So yep. it, it just kind of felt like a another game, kind of leading towards it. Yeah, then going out there and I guess yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. Um, I still haven't like really thought about it. I've played in the grand final like, cause it's maybe because we lost, but. Um, <laughs> It's kind of, yeah, it was just a surreal feeling, I guess. Um, even like to play against Melbourne, you've been there so many times. And yep. I guess they, they they showed us how how to win it. And um, I guess that's kind of a good thing, being able to play them and see how they've done it to us. And um, if we're ever there again, hopefully we can kind of um, take notes of what happened there and kind of try to reverse the role. Are you the type that thinks and talks footy 24-7 or are you pretty relaxed about it and you can turn off footy and find a release whenever you want to? No, nah, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty chilled where I can turn it off and yeah. I guess um, turn it on. I'm, I live with Nave, so um, we don't we don't really talk footy unless it's footy season kind of thing, yeah. um, well, um, especially now um, after him coming back from the, the break and stuff. Uh, the bubble in Origin, I think, is a bit... Um, bit over footy we've spoke minimal about yep. like, anything so um it's kind of good like just to get away from it a bit and then um, when it's time to knuckle down and screw your head on um like i'm ready to go and ready to be there because i've, I've cleared my mind from all the all the junk and I'm, I'm just purely focused on 2021 it's a really good asset i think to be able to switch off footy for a, for a young player in particular because it can and does burn people out who is the absolute footy tragic in the Panthers team that talks footy 24-7, thinks footy, sleeps footy, breathes footy? No one really likes talks footy like in the off-season at yep. all, pretty much. Everyone just like talks about where, where we're going to go and what's the plans to go out and yeah. stuff. So I guess that's the good thing about like having a young team and um, all of us coming through together. Like we all – no one like talks footy in the off-season like, unless you want to train really um, – Probably fish, to be honest. He's probably the one that um, wow. lives and breathes. I don't think he's had a break. <laughs> I think he's been training every day. So look out for fish 2021. A lot of players say they learn a lot about their first grand final. What do you reckon you and you guys learned? Yeah, I think we just learned um, just to stay present. Um, there's yep. little little things like um, momentum shifts and little ups and downs in the games that um, we kind of, I guess, didn't combat. Yeah. In the in the sense, like um, we're getting frustrated, but we kind of let that take over the take over our our whole game plan and our whole thing. Like um, I guess it was frustrating not being able to score and getting so close so many times. And um, Melbourne are just so good at like slowing down the game and yeah, not yep. playing on their pace, which kind of frustrated made us a bit frustrated again. And um, I guess we've learned we can learn from that and. Um, I guess this off-season we'll be able to take a lot of things out of that grand final and um, coming into round one, hopefully we've got that down pat and we can go on a, a bit of a run again. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Want to be part of the team? We have both corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. Check out the website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au 
or send an email to Terry, that's with an I, at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. In 2010, Parramatta played the Harold Matthews Junior Grand Final against Penrith. Playing for the Panthers that day would be a young guy that has to go down as one of the best juniors the game has seen. Ironically, this bloke is now an eel. Here's what Mitch Moses remembers of that grand final. Yes, I, I remember Bryce Cartwright absolutely tearing us to shreds. Um, mate, we went undefeated the whole season and we thought we were world beaters. We were yeah. flogging every single side that they come into us. We had, we had a really good side with the players like Casey Pritchard, um, Danny Falala, who's just finished now, yeah. Paulie Paulie. Um, we were that hard to beat, I guess. And we pretty much just beat ourselves and Bryce Cartwright just absolutely mm. tore us to shreds that day. And uh, I'll never forget it. It was, it was pretty upsetting. We went through undefeated the whole year until we lose the grand final. It was pretty upsetting, but um, we, had, we had a great side. And, um, a lot of players succeed and um, go on to play first grade footy. So many first graders were superstar kids and, and a lot of people talk about Brad Fittler back in the day and he was superb or Timmy Brasher. Now it's David Fafita and Payne Haas. I don't think Bryce Cartwright gets the recognition he probably deserves because as a junior, he was near fucking invincible. Yeah, he, he was he was unbelievable. The like I said, he, he, he did set um he did set Beatus by himself and he was as, as skillful as they come as, mm. as you know, he was probably the same size as what he yeah. is now at playing Harold Matz and Ashley Ball and he was just had that much skill and he was a big five eight and he was the man mate, child, like said, wasn't he? he? He, he was, he was, and he was, he was hard to stop. And yeah. um, you know, he took that into his early years of first grade, and he's just in a bit of a form slump at the moment. But he will come out of it, I'm sure. That was Mitch Moses from his Legend Series podcast, episode two. It was on next week's Legend Series, an amazing two-part interview with Australian fighting royalty John Wayne Parr. He recalls his first trip to Thailand to train as a teen, and the experience was nothing. Nothing like he'd seen before. Um, so, so we get to the camp. Same thing. Go, All right, let me show you your sleeping arrangements. So I take my little bag and we walk upstairs to the boxer room. That, that only the boxers slept in this room, and uh, it was a wooden floor. And uh, we slept side by side uh, uh, next to one another um, on a wooden floor. Uh, so I tried to, um, yeah, sleep as close as I could to the wall. So I only had one person beside me instead of being in yeah. the middle, having two people either side. And then the toilet arrangement was a, a squat toilet where as a big basin with a plastic tub on top. So you grab the plastic tub, you fill it full of water, and, you, and you've got to pour the water into your hand to, to wipe your buttocks. Oh, <laughs> which was a old bit, school. Which was a bit, which was a bit scary at first. Yeah. I, I didn't get a toilet for the first three days because I, I didn't quite know the procedure. Yeah. And then um, and then to brush your teeth, you also have to use the same blue container to pour water into your hand or to wash your um, toothpaste out and everything else. You want to be doing that before people yeah. dump into it. And then uh, to have a shower, you got to stand on the concrete, use a, the plastic tub again to rinse your body, you lather up with soap, and then you use a plastic tub to, to wash the soap off. And, and there's no hot water either, so wow. all year using cold water. Sometimes it's nice and refreshing, other times you got to do the count to five and, and count down to, uh, uh, nice and fast because it's so cold. But um, When you look back at that trip, was it more about learning the physical skills or, or about the history, the discipline and the culture that surrounds the Muay Thai lifestyle? It was a combination of everything. Yeah. Um, the, the Thai trainer I had at the time, he said, I don't just want to make you a good fighter. I, I want to teach you Thai culture. So yep. I, I want you accepted into the Thai community. So um, 
every day I, I try and teach myself five Thai words and then every day, every day. And then eventually after three months, I, I, could, um, I could go down the street and by myself and with confidence. Yeah. Uh, I, could, I could count the money and yep. I, I knew how to get, get, out, of, get out of trouble. Yep. And, and then the longer I stayed there. Um, so yeah, so after six months, I came back. And then the, the Thai camp ran Richard not long after saying, hey, with that, we think that kid's got a lot of potential. Can you please send him back again? Probably easier to just shit on your toothbrush. Okay, if you're 190 centimetres and about 106 kilos, what position do you play on a footy field? Back in the 90s, you're a front rower or maybe a big second rower. The jerseys with numbers one through seven wouldn't have even fitted you. How the times change. Our guest on Andy Raymond Unfiltered is 190 centimetres and 106 kilos. He can play anywhere from fullback to 5'8", North Queensland's Connolly Lamuulu. If I had to ask you, mate, your favourite position, what would it be? Yeah, I think um, at the moment it'll probably be in the centres. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I find myself real comfortable there. Um, that was the main position I played. Um, these last two years, last year at the Bulldogs yep. and this year in first grade, I played a lot of centre. So, yeah, I, I find myself very comfortable in that position and I just hope that I can stick to that and, you know, build on it and become better. What position do you play most of your junior footy in, in, in rugby union? Yep, in rugby union I played fly half, so pretty much in the halves, yeah. Beautiful. First five eight, yep. You played fullback and brilliantly for Kiba Park State High School in 2016. From there, you went into the Tigers system. What position did they like the look of you at? Yeah, so they liked me um, wing a centre. But um, so I, I went down as a fullback. But there was a very good fullback in front of me. Um, goes by the name of Ryan Pappenhausen, who's at the Storm now. Um, but actually, that year, so Paps got injured a fair bit. Um, I think every, I think he only managed like about two or three games. And yeah. every game he came back, he um, did his hamstring. So. I played a lot of fullback in my um, first year at Tigers as well, um, and in my second year I played a lot, um, a lot of centre. So a couple of years there, and then you moved to the Canterbury Bulldogs and played most of the 2019 season in Canterbury Cup. Eight tries, you averaged almost 130 metres a game for a centre. They are serious numbers. You love getting your hand on the ball. Yeah, um, you know, I think that's um, a big job for the outside backs these days is to come in and give your forwards a rest and, you know, carry and um, run hard. So I think that was one of the um, main things that a lot of our outside backs at Canterbury last year um, wanted to do was to get our metres up and help help out our forwards. And, yeah, I think we did that. So, yeah, it was pretty good. You're a cowboy now and a new coach, a new voice, and the back line probably is far, far from settled. So there's a really good chance for a lot of you young blokes over this off-season and pre-season to have a real crack at a spot and a starting spot. Yeah, um, it's a it's, it's a real stacked um, team. So yeah. our roster that we have up here. So I think the spots um, the spots in the team is definitely um, up for grabs. So we've been into pre-season like a week and a half now and, you know, everyone's just ripping in and, you know, giving their 100% to show the coaching staff that they they want that spot and they deserve that spot. So, yeah, there's definitely a spot there that, um, you know, if I am if I keep training hard and, you know, keep putting my head down, then, um, you know, I'm hoping that I can lock one of those down for the next year, next season. 
Paul Bowman, the great bearers at the club, uh, one of the great centres for the Cowboys. Has he been able to help you with the finer points of the game of a centre? Yeah, so um, Bear's been helping um, helping us a lot, um, the centres, these past few seasons. Um, you know, he, he's, um, he runs out into the field and you can hear him barking orders yeah. at everyone and especially us to get up. And then when we come into the club for video, you know, he's he's always in there. You know, he has something to say and something to help us out with. So, yeah, just getting those defensive tips off guys like that, you know, who have been there and done that, um, you know, it's something that's very valuable and um, everyone at the club's um, happy to get that um, that help. Pre-season has only just started, but pre-season in Townsville and that humidity, brutal. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's it's definitely, you know, one of the hardest things I've done was moving and getting used to this humidity up here. You know, as soon as you step outside the house, you can just feel it like yeah. straight away. So, yeah, training in it's, you know, it's um it's not ideal um for myself anyways, but you know, if we can if we can get through it, then I think we have that advantage on all the other teams who come up here, you know, that we'll, we'll probably be used to it and they won't. So, you know, it's just just the way it is. Um, it's the weather we have up here. So, yeah, um, we just got to adapt and, you know, make use of it. Good luck in 2021, great man. Thanks for dropping in. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Want to know what's coming up on the podcast? Well, stalk us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Andy Raymond. Share the love and share the posts. The late 1990s were a crazy time in rugby league. The Super League war had divided the game and then an uneasy truce was found 12 months later. Charleville, Queensland, its postcode is 4470 and there's even less people there. Somehow... A kid from Charleville ended up in the north of England playing rugby league. And for whatever reason, it was there that I reckon we probably saw the best of him. Adrian Vowles, why did we see the best of you in the UK Super League? I just think I was lucky. Um, I had a club that I got to know. Uh, It was like like a country club. I got on, you know, I wouldn't say it was... Great at the start, we lost eleven games straight, and I was getting booed and followed oh. to my car and told told to nick off home. And so I was just going, "My God, this is terrible! I want to go home." And but then Stuart Raper came over and took over as coach and just took us back to basics, and we escaped relegation. Which I then I saw the supporters there, and they were crying in the stands, and I went, "You know what? This is they love their club." And yep. uh, and then '98, we sort of we we grew again. We got more players, and we got better. And then '99. Um, he strengthened with the likes of Aaron Raper, um, you know, James Pickering, Michael Eager and Dale Fritz. And we just, you know, I just, I love playing for that club. I love, love being the captain. And, but Stuart Raper believed in me and I, and I got on really well with Stuart Raper as a mate, yep. which is funny. I got on, some people can, some people can't, but I was a mate. We were mates and I wanted to play for him and I didn't want to let him down. Really famous name in rugby league, the name Raper, Stuart Raper, wonderful coach and in all honesty, an amazing football brain. Would you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. Like he, he may, he didn't come in and just try to change everything over there. He just come in and simplified it, and then added. We just added it, and then, you know, like all coaches, he lets the players come up with stuff as well. Yep. And and we were like, we had a good player group as well. Like, um, you know, Aaron, I rate Aaron as one of the best hookers I've yeah. played with. Well, he's like skiff, skiff very smart footballer. Slow as a slow as a, he's so slow. He's that slow as <laughs> like he's toe, toe on a carrier. But but 
and no, he 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 made he made a huge difference for our side. Um, and you know, and Dale Fritz doesn't get the uh, acknowledgement as he deserves. Well, he's tough as well. But we chuck in all the English boys, but we got on really well off the field. Yep. And then when you do that, and then you get on the field, and yeah, it's just and then Stuart, you know, he, his tactics were great. And you know, we're, we're unlucky not to win something. As you said, it was 1997, and it was the Castleford Tigers. The improvement curve was pretty extreme early, but it was 1999 where you shone. You were named in the Super League Dream Team, and you won the coveted Man of Steel Award, the first Tigers player to do so, the first Queenslander to do so. That is one hell of a year. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I went to that award not expecting to win it. I was happy to get an invite and happy to drink the free free beers and, and all that sort of stuff. And mate, I, I was throwing them down and then for all the other awards they had, they named they named the players and then read something out about them. Yep. So like a biography. And so when it come to the Man of Steel, they read about me. And then then they go, Oh, and he, he Adrian was the first Castford player to win the Man of Steel and I was like sitting there and it took took a few seconds to um to sink in and then everyone's looked at me at the table going you've won it and I went oh I was just I had to put my jacket on and yeah it was just awesome awesome feeling and um same again I, I staying at the hotel where I won it so I went upstairs and rang mum and dad and to tell them you know again another another great phone call to make absolutely the the man of steel is uh, the UK's equivalent of the Dally M do you look back with a huge smile about that 1999 season. Yeah, I do. And and, and disappointment as well because we lost the yeah. Challenge Cup semi in the last few seconds to, to London and we lost in the in the semi before the grand final against St. Allen. So it's like, yeah, great year. But, oh, we, you know, if we could have won something. And um, and going back, um, when I won the award, I thank Tim Sheens for sacking me from the Cowboys because I wouldn't have won the award if he hadn't got rid of me. So <laughs> all... All, all things work out fine. I love it, mate. It was five years at the Tigers, and I actually still consider you a, a Castleford Tiger, but you moved to Leeds. Why the move? I uh, were doing contract negotiations with Cass, and they've uh, they've dropped my contract by 20,000 £20, pounds, and I just went, you're kidding me. No, I, yeah. As a player, I was still playing good footy, and I, I, I did so much outside of the club. I did yep. a lot of stuff. Uh, for the club as well and I was so disappointed and um, so I rang my good mate Danny Orr who's a, a legend over there and said mate what do you reckon he said, he said just ask him to go and talk to other clubs he said if they say yes then they definitely don't want you and they said yes so I went so I I, I did that back in those days was, I was sending faxes you know wow. and um, the rhinos came in and uh, which you know as a player I hated I yeah. hated the rhinos because they were uh, but um, so I went back to, and they had to ring Castleford to see if it was okay to talk to me, and it was. And and then Castleford came to me and said, "We're going to put a another offer in by such and such," and they didn't. So I, I signed with. I actually did a handshake agreement with Gary Hetherington, and then after Cass, after I told Cass, they said, "Oh, we we're going to offer offer you more," and I said, "Well." You, you had your time, and I said, no, I can't go back on a handshake, so I, I went to Leeds. Uh, good on you for honouring uh, honouring the handshake and, and being a man of conviction. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot, I've got to say, in rugby league. 
However, the Leeds experiment was less than ideal. You lasted half a season, but then you had the opportunity to move into a captain coach role at Wakefield Trinity. Yeah, I got a phone call and was like, would I be interested in captain coach of a Super League team? And I'm going, uh, who is it? And I said, Wakefield, they were coming last. And then you get if you get relegated over there, yeah, you can lose your livelihood. So yeah. I was like, God, I, I'd, I'd coached, but I hadn't coached at that level. So I was, mm. you know, I discussed it with a few people. And um, funnily enough, Ben Walker, the uh, Ipswich Sheds, Ben Walker, yeah. um, I was playing with him at Leeds and he said, mate, go for it, go for it. And I was like, oh. so I agreed to go for it. And then um, ended up sharing the role with Shane McNally, which yes. – should, I shouldn't have done it. Like it just it was too many voices. But um, yeah. So we escaped relegation. I went there and escaped. It was just like Castleford Wakey. It was a good club and yep. escaped relegation on the last day. We had to win, and we, we had to beat Warrington, which we won fifty to ten. And I got my first ever hat trick. And then we had to wait twenty minutes for Castleford to beat Salford. Just oh. That. So we'd, we'd, we'd won, but we couldn't celebrate because we had to wait another 20 minutes because we still got to go relegated. And, and luckily, Cass won and, um, you know, we celebrated like it was like we'd won a grand final. It was just awesome. Gareth, Gareth Ellis was in that side as well. Yeah. Now, what was it about the UK and the UK lifestyle that appealed to you? I, I think over there, like, everything is so close. You, yep. You're not going on maybe trips away but I, I just love the supporters honestly yeah. they they make they make it like um to run out and that noise they make they, like ten thousand people in england make more noise than thirty thousand in australia and they sting the songs i'd i'd run out you got to clap them that valsy valsy give us a wave and you give them a wave and it's just awesome they're so witty as well you know someone's a bit overweight it's you fat bastard you ate all the pies you fat bastard so it's like it was really good and it was just that, and I, I was lucky enough to get taken back in 2011 and just to, it was awesome. Wonderful memories. Thanks for dropping in, Adrian Vowles. This is the Weekly Watch on Andy Raymond Unfiltered, and it's feature interview time. We've got a little beauty for this week's feature interview, a 270-gamer for the one club, 10 Origins, and one test as well. Matty Bowen, welcome, mate. You're still involved with the Cowboys. What are you doing with them? There you go, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm obviously still involved with the Cowboys. Not so much the footy side of things. I um, do the community engagement uh, stuff. So heaps of school programs. Um, you know, we go to, to various different communities. So I'm based at the Cowboys house. So the Cowboys house is, um, you know, house uh, boarding kids from, up the communities, uh, you know, as far as the, the, the tip and then uh, to the outer islands, as far as Badu, Saibai Island and all those islands. And the kids, um, you know, leave their communities, leave their islands and come down, um, board at the Cowboys house, uh, go to different schools around Townsville and um, do different trades um, and whatnot. And, you know, obviously graduate and go back home and make their community a better place. So that's the stuff I'm doing now, really involved with the community. I'm, you know, something that I really... Love doing. I really wanted to do it while I was playing, and um, I, but obviously due to training commitments and and playing commitments, yep. I couldn't. So now opportunity to do it, uh, I made a love it and join it. Assisting and mentoring the young Indigenous kids, I'd imagine that'd be pretty rewarding too, wouldn't it? When they start to succeed, 
Most definitely. I think I can relate to those kids. I'm, yep. I'm from a community myself. I, you know, my community was only probably seven, 800 people. And, um, you know, I keep telling them if, if I can do it, um, you know, there's, there's no reason why you guys can't do it as well. So, um, it's, it, it's rewarding. Mate. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it and it's something that I love doing. Maddie, is it as much about growing as young footballers as growing as young men? So they, whether they succeed or not in the NRL, they're going back into their community just as a better young bloke. Most definitely, I think you know it's it's not a uh, rugby league school or boarding house. You know, we uh, facilitate for both boys and girls. Yeah, um, it, it's you know the kids that can't access um, secondary schooling um, in their community, so they come down and. As I said, go to different schools around town. Schools. Um, some do tech and queue, where they can get a trade, um, good work experience, and you know, go home with something that you know, obviously they can be proud about, and more importantly, their their family to be proud about. I'm proud of you for doing it, mate. That is awesome stuff. Hey, very quickly, is there a coaching role there somewhere for you? Is it something you dream about, or, or something you've got no interest in? Mate, I love to coach. I love I love coaching. I obviously. I coach a local A-grade side um, in, in Central Tigers the last couple of years and this year and next year. Obviously, this year was a bit all over the place with yep. the COVID, but um, I moved over to Western Lions. Um, you know, we didn't go into that competition this year due to COVID, but, um, you know, we just started pre-season the other, no- other night. Um, so I'm doing that. And I did the Blackhawks, Sanford Blackhawks, men in the Melbourne Inga Cup side yep. uh, last two years. Um, but didn't get the uh, role for next year. But it's something that I really want to do. Obviously, uh, work closely with um, guys within the Cowboys or, or, or coming through. So, you know, I coached um, Griffin Neem and uh, Hamaso Tabuai. Last year, they were my Blackhawks 18, so now they get, obviously, you know, Hammer played first grade for the Cows, and um, Griff is obviously just got a rewarded, um, you know, training with the first grade, which is good. Let's go back to 2001, mate, if we can remember back that far. You made your debut off the bench against Brisbane in round number one. Can you believe it? It was another one-point game between the Cowboys and the Broncos. What do you remember of your debut? Mate, I, I was that uh, scared. I was you know, obviously looking up you know, as a young kid, um, supporting the Broncos because uh, the Cowboys wasn't in the competition. And, you know, you're watching guys like, you know, um, Gordon Tallis, Shane Webke, Darren Lockyer, Wendell Saylor running around. And um, there's myself in a you know, 17, 10, 18, um, sitting on the bench waiting to go on and trying to tackle these guys. It was, um, I was that scared. I, but once I got on the on the park, it was just like a normal game and I enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I, we got done by one point. So we haven't beaten the Broncos up until obviously 04 in that uh, semi-final game in Townsville. So, uh, but it, I still remember, mate, uh, like yesterday. I'm going to test your memory. Do you remember your first NRL try? Yes, it was against the Raiders. I think you got down it in, down in Canberra. I yeah, I was that excited. I put my as you do, you put your fist up in the air and celebrate. Um, but I, I still remember that um, Chrissy Market. I think he offloaded the ball to me, and he still reminds me to this day about it. So I love it. In your first two years, you played a couple of positions. You played a bit of fullback, a bit of wing, and even 5'8". 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but you were halfback for the Junior Kangaroos, right? Yeah, mate. I, all my juniors, I played in the halves, and um, you know, I, I didn't start till late. You know, a lot of these kids today they start at six, you know, five, six year old, and I, I didn't um, start till I was about twelve, and picked up a footy and just yeah, I played halves all, all my juniors, and as I said, I played junior roos. I played in the halves alongside. Um, in Brayton Nasa, he was my half partner. Is that right? So, yeah, so, um, yeah, it was obviously, you know, just, and then playing first grade, I think um, one of the coaches thought I could, you know, play fullback and a bit more room to move and uh, must have did something good, so I stayed there. You did plenty of things good. Made a couple of tough early years at the Cowboys. There was a lot of local talent, but it wasn't clicking Graham Murray arrived, then Jonathan Thurston arrived. And was that when things started to improve and the footy side started to started to click? I think so. I think, you know, John, John and I came at the right time. Um, you know, we had guys like Kevin Campion, um, and Paul Rahi come along, and, uh, but we had, you know, we had Paul Bowman there as well. But, you know, John O was that something that we were missing, I think, um, in the halves um, sort of thing. And, you know, he just looking for an opportunity to come from the Bulldogs and, you know, uh, in, in 05. So, but, yeah, it's, you know, playing alongside Jono, um, you know, he's one of the best players I've played alongside of. He's just competitive. He hates to lose. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what he's doing. Uh, it could be ping pong, could be game day cricket. He always wants to win. So, and it shows on the field and it, it – uh, Obviously, that's where the uh, the player he is today. It was around this time also you were selected for Queensland for the first of 10 times. For a young bloke from a community in Queensland, how special was that? How big a dream was that just once wearing a maroon jersey? Mate, you dream about in the backyard, you know, myself growing up, kicking over pot plants and stepping whatever you can, um, thinking you're Alan Langer, you're... Um, you know, uh, Adrian Lamb, yeah. and all, all those things, all those plays. And just to do that, mate, I think I to get the phone call and saying that, you know, Wayne Bennett wanted me in his 17. Um, it was a, you know, dream come true. You um, just, you know, once you put the jersey on, you think you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, so it's one of the moments I won't forget and definitely remember for a long time. What do you remember of your first week in Maroons camp? And also, who was your first Maroons roomie? My first, I think it was uh, Andrew G, to be honest. Wow. Um, yeah, so he was obviously, you know, been playing for for years before that. And just a, just a room alongside, you know, Gigi like that. It's, mate, I think it was the best week ever. Um, Gordon Tellers, you know, as I said, Gordon Tellers, Webby. Um, big pet, um, you know, guys like that. And you, as I said, mate, just growing up watching these guys play and now you putting the maroon jersey on, you know, um, and running out and representing your your state um, is, is something special. And I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it. And um, But, yeah, it's, you know, something special and something I won't forget. What about playing for Australia? You'd play the one test against France on the 04 tour. You also stopped off in Philadelphia and played a game against the United States. That's a pretty cool thing to have on your resume. Yeah, definitely. I think I played. Yeah, I played in uh, played in France. Um, I was 18th man a couple of times in the 04 tour. 
Um, but yeah, it wasn't meant to be. But and then we went over to France, and a few of the boys had, um, you know, got rested, and I was lucky enough to play that. I think, but it was yeah, just to put that. As I said, you know, growing up, you want to play for Broncos. Uh, uh, obviously, as a Queenslander, yeah. Um, until Cowboys come in the competition, and your next goal is to play for Queensland. Then, obviously, the the, the ultimate um, prize is, um, you know, playing, putting that green and gold jumper on. And I was lucky enough to do that. And yeah, we played a game in Philadelphia, mate. I think um, you know it popped up yesterday, the other day, actually on social media. Um, you know, a few of the boys uh, been commented about that our, our warm up. Especially, was it was the most uh, dreadful warm up we've ever been a part of. It was warming us up, and we got dusted at half time, and then we just got Wayne Bennett come in and just doing the Wayne Bennett thing, and yeah. just got up us, and then we just sort of turned it around at that, and lucky we got away with the win. Two thousand and five Grand Final, wow, mate, that's fifteen years ago already. So close, but so far, I guess. Yeah, obviously. You know, we come a long way in 04, 05. Um, but, yeah, mate, I think, you know, it's, it, it is – people think it's easy making the grand finals, winning the grand finals. It's it, it's a lot of hard that goes – a lot of hard work that goes in it. Yep. Um, but, mate, you know, we you – know, hats off to obviously West Tigers. Um, they're the younger side. Um, and, just, you know, everything came up for them that, that night and – Yep, um, but mate, just to play in a grand final um, is, is something special, and don't want to um, remember it, but you know, to be a part of one, yeah, um, it, it is special. Oh, mate, huge! You had a couple of knee injuries throughout, I guess, two thousand eight, two thousand ten, but you continued to set records. Then in twenty thirteen, after an awesome year, you said goodbye. You headed to the UK. If you look back now, did you leave a year early, Matty? Um, yes and no. I think I made, I enjoyed my time at uh, over in Wigan. Um, Sean Wayne, he just made me feel a part of the club. He, yep. he made me feel wanted again. Um, should have played for a few more years yet at the Cowboys, but yep. and I, you know, I went overseas, spent two wonderful years over there, and and I wish I'd have went over a bit earlier. I, I, Kept on the Wigan Warriors, and um, but mate, yeah, it was something I really wanted to do because I was a big fan of the Super League. I used to love watching it. Um, yeah. Guys like you know Paul Deacon and Sean O'Loughlin, and going over there to play alongside Lockers and, and Paul Deacon was my assistant coach, and I was just and you know Chris Redlinski, yeah. um, he was the manager, and just to watching those guys, and now you've been a part of their club is something special. How cool was it watching the Cowboys' successes of? 2015. Obviously, you loved it because you're a cowboy at heart, but you would have been missing your footy and wanting to be part of it. Yeah, mate. I was on a – mum and dad was over. We were preparing for our grand final for yep. that. Um, so we were playing the week after. And to be honest, I was on a train. We were on a train taking mum and dad down to London. Um, and I was keeping the updates on the phone and watching <laughs> it via Twitter, I think. And – yeah, man, I was just yeah, it was just a buzz, and you know, I know, as I said, um, I was just chuffed for the boys. Obviously, you know how hard they work. Yep. Um, you know, not just the Cowboys, but anyone, you know, anyone that plays NRL, they work, work hard, and you know, know how hard they train, and um, just for the community as well. So, um, but yeah, it was it was wonderful to see. Always a pleasure chatting, little fella. Thanks for dropping in, and it might be worth going and check the pool area because I think the kids are having a stink in the pool. <laughs> 
I think so, mate. Someone's going off. So, yeah, all good. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. And if being polite doesn't work, maybe bribery will. One lucky reviewer wins an unfiltered trucker's hat every week. It's that simple. Best weekly review wins. And this week's winner is... Mark Carr, 45, with a cracking review, made us laugh. He wrote, the world needs to be more like Andy Raymond's podcast. That got our attention. You can get our attention too with something random in your Apple review. We'd love the support. It helps spread the word. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing and whoever you're doing it to, we hope you have a wonderful week, Legends. And if we can impart just one piece of advice to follow this weekend... Surely it's got to be simply that pikey in the last.